Welcome to the Career Happiness Podcast. My name is Soma Ghosh. I'm a careers advisor and business owner. In this podcast, we're going to talk about what your career means to you and what uniquely defines your career and your version of success and what it means for you to be career happy at work and in your business. This podcast is for professional women who are looking to gain more within their career, to find a new job, find a new career, or potentially start a portfolio career or business. It's also for parents of teenagers who want to find out more about careers advice and information and feel like they want to help their teenagers to go off and pursue careers that they actually really, really want. And lastly, it's for business owners and people who want to start a business and feel inspired by their career and business collectively. So I hope that you enjoy this new season of the podcast and thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. And in episode 114 of the podcast, I have a really interesting And quite, I think, thought-provoking discussion with another careers advisor called Susan Smith. And this episode, I am going to precursor that this episode is probably a little bit longer than my usual episodes. Um, Susan was a very enthusiastic, knowledgeable uh, guest. Um, She had a lot of really relevant things to say around this topic and in general, not just about careers advice, but we spoke about a lot of different things, including what it is, the differences between schools and university, um, how her career has changed, because careers advisors tend to have very varied careers, um, like myself. Also, kind of what degree apprenticeships are, the hesitancy around careers advice, parental involvement, and so much more. So yes, it is a little bit longer than the usual episodes, But I really hope you enjoy this one because I really enjoyed having this conversation with her and I know you're going to enjoy listening to it. But I also want you to go away with the fact that, you know, wherever you are in whatever stage of your life, whether you're a parent listening to this or a professional woman, careers advice has always been important and it's often been something that's been overlooked. So I really hope that you take a lot from this conversation. Thanks so much. So, hello everyone. I am really, really excited to have the lovely Susan Smith with us here today. Hey Susan, how are you? I am well, thank you so much for having me. I was delighted when you invited me to come and chat about careers. I thought, yes, put me down for that. (laughs) No, honestly, it is so wonderful to have you on. And um, I was kind of um, reminiscing how... We connected and I think it was on LinkedIn. I saw you do a really brilliant post about degree apprenticeships, which is something I hope that we could talk a little bit more about because there's so much confusion around it and so many questions I get as a careers advisor. <laughs> but, um, also, just I do really, really remember that you were talking on the BBC a while ago about GCSE results day. Yeah. And I think that actually might have been where I saw you. Somebody popped it on my feed and I was like, this woman looks interesting. I started following you and things <laughs> like that. So that's kind of how we met, I guess, online on, on LinkedIn. Well, this is it. And it's such a wealth of goodness online, looking at people working in a similar way, 
looking for people you can learn from, looking mm-hmm. for people you can um, collaborate with. I'm a real fan of, of LinkedIn and, you know, media, social media in general, because it's so immediate. But mm-hmm. it's also one of the things that we always tell our students is important, is the importance of networking. Yeah. And, you know, no person is an island, so they say. And, it's you know, it's about reaching out and having debates and having conversations and trying to understand how we can progress our sector as well as yeah. our profession, as well as ultimately all careers advisors will tell you, ultimately it's about helping our clients. That's why we do what we do. So. Definitely. It's that passion that we have. I mean, obviously, I, I know a lot about your business. I've been following you for a while. I, I love your posts. I love what you're doing. But can you kind of tell us a little bit more about what you do and your career in general, Susan? Sure. I um, So I'm a, a careers advisor, careers consultant, careers coach. And this may be not the place to discern what each of those are. But essentially, I think what's important is that I am professionally qualified. So there are industry standards to do with careers guidance and counselling, as well as looking at labour market information and, you know, the impact of change on skill development and educational curriculum. So when you're a qualified careers advisor, you're a registered career development professional. And we have a professional body called the Career Development Institute. And so, you know, careers coaches, you can do qualifications that are recognised by, um, you know, coaching associations, but they may not have the guidance counselling element that allows us to work in um, a one-to-one counselling way with our clients to help them unpack more of what their motivations are, their learning styles, how they make decisions, what some of those blockages might be um, towards taking the action they need we cover things like mindset as well and really taking action and the next steps towards action so careers is quite a wide gambit really and um, you're working with different client groups which adds a different flavor but then you're also working in a way to support different people at different stages of their career and, you know, it's a it's a wide remit from primary to secondary to specialist courses in sixth form to um, undergraduate courses, postgraduate researchers, MBA students. I've worked with MBA um, clients and I think working also with employers and working with parents. I'm a big, big fan of, of working with parents because in my experience, in a lot of ways, parents have the biggest influence mm-hmm. and helping parents to understand the changing landscape and what some of the key questions they need to be asking themselves and their children are is critical. I mean, essentially careers is overwhelming and it's yeah. it's helping people pick their way through the myriad of choices and find a path that suits them. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a very, very concise, wonderful way of explaining it, Susan. Thank you for that, (laughs) what you do. Um, One of the things that I would love you to share a little bit about is about your actual business. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's called and kind of who you support through through your business? Absolutely. So I think everything is, everything comes to its own time and its own journey you know things evolve and change and I worked 
for a number of years. I started off in local authority career services, so I'm working within schools, but I'm employed by the council or the local council and, you know, with a service like, you know, you'll find if you go onto your local council page and check career services for young people, you'll find that there'll be a, an organisation is responsible for that. So every young person has um, free career support, support and access to a careers advisor. So I started off doing that and then I applied for a job in a university. And the reason for that really, I think, was that I wanted to have deeper conversations. These were people that had made some career decisions and they were now going to be graduating and they wanted a return on investment, I guess, from their time at university. And it's this, it's almost the same conversation at school. You wouldn't think it is. But if you take careers as a sort of journey, essentially, it's the, it's the winding path. You know, a, an analogy I use often is the Easter egg hunt. I think a lot of careers advisors do use that because it's so good to show that everything you're doing, you're picking up eggs along the way. And those eggs might be an experience or it might be a particular skill or it might be, you know, if you've done debating at school or, you know, if you're at university and you've joined a club or society, what, what have you got out of that experience? So a lot of people come to you with these eggs that they've collected in their basket. And when you start to begin to discuss with them, <clears throat> excuse me, where those eggs came from, and then start to reflect on what they've gained. So it's not what they've done, it's what they've gained. What they start to understand is, the skills that they have, the skills development. And it's the same whether you're studying A-levels or you're studying an undergraduate degree. And it's it's about reflecting on how far you've come and where your strengths lie. What do you look like at your best? And that's quite a difficult conversation to have. And that's where the skill of guidance counselling definitely comes in. So I started then at universities because I wanted that deeper level of conversation. And you're doing the same activities in some ways, you're working in the curriculum, you're trying to draw out the hidden learning that's happening for students. So on one hand, they think they're just studying for an English degree, but on the other hand, they're persuading people of their ideas. They're going to tutorials and they're telling um, others what they think and, and listening and actively listening. And all those skills are really important, whether it's in a boardroom or whether it's um, you know fundraising for a charity you're passionate about. A lot of times students don't see the direct connection between what they've studied and employment. And I think as careers advisors, we are that bridge. And it's I've just sort of continued in that journey, Soma, where I've, you know, I've I, I then moved to Australia. And um, that was really interesting because, you know, I had to use my own learning, all the things that I tell students, I had to apply to myself. So I was sitting going, right, where have I come? What have I enjoyed? Where are my strengths? And, you know, a nice little exercise that I really recommend is to take on one side of the table, on the left column, write out all the skills you've, you have, all the skills you feel you've been developing, whether that's studying full time. And I tell students, think about your degree as your job. And, you know, it's you know time management, it's communication, it's um, persuasion, you know, write out all the things, networking, collaborating. And then in the other column, write what you're pleased about, what you feel your achievements are. And, you know, it became clear to me that my strengths are in relationship building, collaborating when I looked at the projects that I'd managed to get off the ground. 
you know, the first employability project at a, a university in Scotland with the English department. So it was it was definitely through networking and relationship building. And ironically, that's exactly what you have to do in Australia. You you have to speak to people who might know you. And um, you've got to sort of get introductions to people. So it's very complicated. Anyway, I started working with international students and... Um, that was, again, another whole conversation, still with those similar guidance skills, but really trying to understand better the client group and some of the, the challenges facing them. And then I saw a job at Apple and I thought, crikey, I'd love to work for Apple. What an exciting opportunity. So it was training and development. And I saw the relevance of my teaching within the curriculum. You know, I, I deliver training. I mean, you know, I do a lot of projects. I do a lot of event management. So anyway... I applied using my same principles that I teach other students and lo and behold, I got the interview. And so I was able to transition into the corporate world for a while. And then I had my children and then I sort of came back into the careers education fold. And then from coming back to the UK, um, really fortuitous, you know, I could have applied to university. I interviewed for a deputy head role because the last job I'd had was managing the career service at Sydney University in the business school and um, but you know I think children were at the agent stage but also I was quite drawn back to school guidance again because I felt the landscape was changing so critically and having worked so closely in the university sector and looking at graduate employability and more importantly graduate underemployability, I felt that there was there really needed to be better guidance in sixth forms, in, in the secondary school piece to really help students discern if, if a university degree was the right avenue to take and, and if it was, which type of degree. So, you know, here I am. I started as a teaching assistant in a secondary school and then, um, lo and behold, two weeks after I started, a nice kiss from the university, the careers advisor who'd been there eight years handed in her notice and I thought, oh, right place, right time. So I applied for the job um, externally and there was, you know, I think they interviewed three candidates and I was successful. So I set about being a careers advisor in a secondary school. Now that was long before careers leaders. This was back in 2014. So it was quite a while before the government were picking up how to upskill students. And I think I brought my higher education experience to bear because I looked at how we were coordinating careers in the curriculum. I um, I looked at work experience as being absolutely critical and I already foresaw that work experience needed to be compulsory in sixth form. So I then wrote and taught a course called um, the Professional Placement Programme and it, it was careers lectures, careers teaching, along with supporting students to get work experience. And um, I'm a real advocate of an academic route and a professional route. And I was lucky, again, that the timing was they had just got rid of AS levels. So there was no longer mocks, like, you know, there was no longer AS level, A levels. You would just take your A level in year 12. There would be mocks, but you'd set your final exam. And so there was a little space in the curriculum. And, you know, I had to sit there with the head teacher and argue my case about graduate, like about, sorry, destinations. And whilst it's not official, um, I can guarantee you in the next couple of years, people will be looking at the destinations of sixth formers from secondary schools in the same way they, do, they currently do in higher education.
So, yeah, it's been a really interesting um, career to date. And I'm very lucky that, you know, I, I like, you know, I've had the ability to, to bring my own ideas and run with things. And I think that is the role of a careers consultant is that you are responsible for a department or you're responsible within the school. And what you put into the job is ultimately what you get out. Soma. So here I am, I think nearly, I think it's 27 years now working in careers wow. and um, it's always changing and evolving and growing and it's been, it's been interesting. So that was one, <laughs> one part of the story. I'm such a blather, honestly, I will blather all night. No, 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 it's very interesting. Well, um... the thing about it is one of the things I really noticed mm-hmm. was the, the fact that parents didn't really know what was going on. And yes. You know, these on average, you're investing such a lot in your university mm-hmm. qualification. Yeah. And, you know, I feel as if the time for, you know, as I gently and, and jokingly say, propping up the bar at uni <laughs> is over. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, yeah. students have to be really quite clear what they hope to get mm-hmm. out of their degree. And if it is a bit of time, a bit of time out, great. But then you need to be using your time wisely and... yes developing those skills and um, experiences and adding those mm-hmm. eggs to your basket. So I um, I decided I would set up all things careers. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just me talking to my local community initially. So I did a lot of things on Facebook to let parents know that there was support. I mean, March 2020 was lockdown. I think I set up in June. 2020 and I was really concerned that there just wasn't going to be good careers information and Mm. so I did a lot of like um freebies like lead magnets like this is how you make GCSE choices these are pathways you need to consider here's the questions you need to be asking yourself so you know equally I had to pivot my knowledge online so I sort of set up all things careers and that was setting up a website learning how to do social selling um, learning how to create webinars, learning how to edit videos, <laughs> learning how to sell um, courses. So it's been interesting. And, you know, a lot of it was appearing every day, posting on LinkedIn. You go through a whole journey as an online um, business owner and you're learning, learning, learning. So that was a kind of chrysalis time where um I was setting up my business and certainly word mm. of mouth where I live in sort of the home counties. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting. Word of mouth, people are happy to tell, parents are happy to tell other parents about me. But yeah. interestingly, when it comes to de- the Degree Apprenticeship Academy, which I run, which <laughs> is like an online course, they don't want to tell each other about that because oh. it's a bit like um, when you're applying for housing, there's... there's yes. the, 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 nobody, want, no, you don't tell anyone you're looking for a house because they might because you'll be looking too. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, actually, the, the Degree Apprenticeship Academy is a really great resource which helps students yeah. to apply for degree mm-hmm. apprenticeships because they're really competitive, mm-hmm. but I don't yeah. tend to find word of mouth from parents to other parents on that yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. And a lot of the things you were saying, I can resonate. I've like been nodding my head oh. throughout. Um, and I really do think it's weird. It's inter- not weird. It's like weird synchronicity when you were sharing your story about how you know, you, you started doing your business because what happened to me is I predominantly work with professional women and that's the main emphasis of my business. Ooh. And then one day there was a mum that emailed me and her son was in year 10 and, you know, she needed some advice for him. 
and it you know now I've got a service for that and it's not the main part of my business season but I do mm. feel as though there is a need for other yeah. careers advisors to do Definitely. what we're doing weirdly you know and well, I didn't realize that until th- that happened because then I had a few more people come to me so very interesting hearing you yeah talk about that you know I guess I mean in in my just my immediate vicinity there are three four outstanding secondary schools and only one employs a careers advisor full-time as well as outsourcing and then and the next place along there's six outstanding secondary schools and nobody employs a careers advisor so they have careers advisors coming in Mm -hmm. to do guidance interviews yeah yeah. Um, and one school has got an ex-teacher who's gone down the career leader role, which is fantastic. Oh, brilliant. But yeah. I can categorically tell you, mm-hmm. um, after having conversations, yes, yes, is, it, yes, is yeah. it a must or a should? So when Ofsted bring out yeah. guidelines, <laughs> um, yeah. okay, is that a should or a must? Well, it's still currently a should. So they give advice, mm. it should, but you know the must. Well, let me know when it's a must. <laughs> and and I think that is that is so true to, uh, that schools are just dealing with so much coming at them. Yeah, yeah. So I've been lucky that I have sort of proactively set about mm-hmm, um, doing things, and I, and it's not hard to muscle into the curriculum and, and find yeah. the space. And you know, I think that it's a twofold thing. Once yes. parents understand what careers is then they actively seek it out for the children. So mm-hmm. by working with parents, you actually then end up garnering more support for your work in schools so yes 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 definitely definitely um, and it's it is it is interesting what you're saying because I think the more they do know the more they want to come in the more they want to ask questions ooh. and I think we 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 need to be able to support them but what I've found really really interesting interestingly what you were saying is um I work one day a week in a school and a family friend of mine commented on how um you know her children didn't receive any support so it's not unsurprising to me when I'm hearing that and even with some of the clients I've been working with they've said to me yeah they've seen someone it's been like you know like quick 20 minute chat but there's no action plan or anything and you feel quite shocked hearing those kind of things as a careers advisor season because you kind of think what did they do with them for the 20 30 minutes you know it's really it's true and how on earth will they expect a child to remember that there's some really complicated information being imparted and that's what I love about my business is that you know it's so gorgeous to get online with parents and the child and Mm. the client and and it's like you know the luxury of an hour I mean, it doesn't seem a lot, but, you know, I take them through some testing, yeah. some psychometric testing. We, we look at yeah. strengths and interests, and then we move the piece forward into an action plan. What do, what do my yeah. work experience look like? What are some of the bigger, you know, it's reverse engineering. So if you think like an interesting one that a lot of people don't realize is, um, you know, advertising and Mm. social media and and the impact of that with things going online so when you've got the students who are really creative yeah and but they want you know quite a nice commercial output to that creativity Mm -hmm. um or creative in in terms of how they think you're not just art like even people are really good at English anyway the thing is parents like oh I didn't know that and you (laughs) you can really you know Yeah. yeah support people but in a way that's you know, you leave them feeling in the front foot instead of on the back foot. And that's, yeah. you know, so I think the thing is for me, I'm, I am quite political and I, I you know, I truly believe that 
Um, you know, you talk about Britain now, or you know, the the, the foreign policy is Britain being an international player. Yes, yes. you're going to have to upskill your yeah, your workforce, and you're going to have to make sure. So there's lots happening now about you know pushing pushing, I say pushing inverted commas, suggesting that students should, you know, upskill in within to industry. Now that is that, you know, it's not as sinister as it first might seem, because actually there are a lot more opportunities now with the introduction of T levels, um, mm. and with the introduction of these advanced and higher apprenticeships as well as degree yeah. apprenticeships, where you're actually going in at entry level roles but you're being given the responsibility as you progress through a piece of paper, a qualification that underlies what you're learning. And, you know, it's not just youth training schemes now. It's not just for um, people entering construction. All these professions that you used to have to go to university to get into, you no longer have to go to university if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm, I'm quite excited by that, but I feel the education system is still not producing students that are confident and able to move into those roles because Hmm. they're quite spoon-fed you know like your EPQ if you choose to do it is great some schools have got Wednesday afternoons or some period where they're doing sort of leadership and responsibility extracurricular things Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel you know they are with the careers and enterprise company trying to um, support schools to bridge um that gap between education and employment by trying to have employers, um, you know, the critical friend helping employers look at what's in the curriculum. But I actually don't think it's proper qualified careers advisors who are understanding what employers' needs are. Um, You know, it's accessing that language. It's accessing that information that nobody else is teaching them. It's not taught anywhere else. Even at university, it's not taught. Yeah. You think, you know, you think you go and study a degree in biology at university. But it's still just studying biology. And interestingly, it's not any harder than your A-levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, students yeah. think, oh, you know, can I go to university? Of course. A-levels are the hardest it gets. You know, there's, there's a deeper a deeper dive into the information. Yeah. But yeah. still at university, nobody is saying to students, now listen, where's this degree leading? What are you going to do with this degree? How yeah, are you going no, to yeah. reflect on your experience? Nobody's having that conversation. So... Mm. it's interesting and there's a lot of work to be done and yes you know we know in our profession we've worked hard we have a lot of skills <laughs> and experience yes. to bring to bear mm. but my my big issue is the word careers and mm. careers yeah. is so broad so with the pandemic and with the need to upskill then you have um you know Rishi Sunak's skills for work Yes, And he's putting money in the budget and he's mm-hmm. using the word careers and employability. And now you've got employability coaches. And what that really is, is a matching service. Okay, here's mm. the vacancies. What are you doing? Okay, what about this vacancy? But mm. they're calling them careers coaches and employability advisors. Oh, God. And so then what's really discerning is, on one hand for our profession, yeah. Finally, there's you know opportunity. The careers piece has been recognised as valuable, yeah, yeah. but actually, what it is is like a um, you know a job centre officer type role, but they're yeah. calling it a careers and employability professional. So now, 
now. Yeah. You know, yeah. the salaries are not matching up to having to have a degree and a postgraduate qualification and increasingly now a master's oh and MA oh. in careers guidance. So it's interesting. But, you know, if you ask mm-hmm. me personally what my feelings on the matter are, yeah. um, you know, it's not ideal for our profession. Of course, everybody wants to be paid their value. Yeah, of course, yeah. But for young people, as long as the people that are doing this role are really genuinely asking good questions and understanding yeah. Yeah. what the client needs rather than just being a matching service because mm. that's not what careers and employability is. So it's still yeah. early days, but certainly I don't think the salary they're offering would suggest in any way, shape or form that the people they are recruiting have the skill set required to do the role well. God, yeah. So mm. it's a mixed bag. Careers is on the agenda, hooray, but is the skill set and the, 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 the sort of nuance that's required to really be good at the role being recognised? No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one as well, though, because, you know, when you were explaining it, I mean, I've been reading a little bit about that and I've seen, I think I watched a, a conference where he was talking about it with this other person that I follow online. And I just feel it's like this conveyor belt process and young people mm. need a lot more than that. And one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about, Susan, mm-hmm. today is degree apprenticeships because I know how passionate you are about talking about them and the main thing that I hear a lot from young people is this growing concern of debt this growing concern of oh miss I'm not ready to go to university yet Mm. or um I've seen how the pandemic has you know affected my family and this 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 and you know they they tell me a lot of um you know kind of endearing things that they worry about because I think young people are a lot more empathic than than, you know we give them credit for um and in fact many of the young people that I'm talking to you know they're looking for work experience they want they want to be working but they don't get a lot of encouragement a lot of the time so I personally see anyway Mm. so I'd love for you to kind of just tell us a little bit more about what a degree apprenticeship is Mm. and why a young person should consider applying to one well it is like this it is a very strategic way to manage your career. Mm. University is great. I am not in any way, shape or form knocking university. Mm. There are the competitive universities where because of the nature, you know, Tony Blair, back in the day, New Labour, we want 50% of our young people to be going to university. There was a whole sort of flux that university was an option and should be an option and of and of course it is but what you then have is almost um a competitive ladder of applications so some universities are asking for a star a star a because they want the the sort of they want to attract the best candidates to do engineering or the best candidates to do law or the best candidates to do humanities and in their mind the best candidates are the most academic So you have universities asking for these really high entry-level qualifications. Meanwhile, traditional employers were going through the graduate milk round, so they were targeting these universities that asked for higher entrance qualifications because in their mind, that was the best candidates were, first of all, the most academic, which we know is not true. And what's brilliantly, fantastically 
can't shout about it enough. Employers are now recognising there was some just some recent research and the university I work for two days a week came first, Queen Mary University, for social mobility. And employers and universities are now being brought to task on not only their quality, diversity and inclusion, but also how they are supporting communities around them and widening participation. And that's really, that's good. It's good news for students because you find that a lot more of these competitive universities are putting in summer schools. They're putting on, um, through the Sutton Trust, they're trying to encourage um, students from low socioeconomic backgrounds, particular postcodes, if they've been in care, you know, students that haven't had the same advantage to think about university. But that's that's great. But if you are sort of sitting middling three Bs and you think, you know, I really do want a degree because I, I want to, you know, better my salary. I want to sort of try and get the best results for my education. And on average, research shows that graduates do earn £10,000 more than non-graduates. So there is an argument that a degree does help your income levels. But if you can't compete and can't get into these three A's universities, you can still access those graduate recruiters, those typical firms like KPMG, Goldman Sachs, um, Government Economic Service, uh, BBC, Google. um, Who else have I seen? Westminster, Houses of Parliament, looking for people doing HR. So the issue is, it's not about... It's about your employment outcomes. So you can look, you can put in an application. So I don't say to students, do one or the other. What I say is, box clever. Put your UCAS form in if that's what the school are asking you to do. And when you're looking at universities, ensure that there is a sandwich year or a placement year. So there is the opportunity to take a year out and do a proper year in industry, which will automatically boost your applications. Because here's the kicker, Soma. 15% of graduate recruiters, only 15% ask for a specific degree discipline. So clearly engineering, clearly something science. So there is no reason Hmm. that you have to particularly pick a degree subject. Lots of students end up doing geography and going into law. So the point is you could leave school with three Bs and still go into a commercial city law firm where they will then give you a job, okay, so you apply competitively, you go through an online, like a telephone interview, so you have to do the application, then there's a telephone interview, you might get some psychometric testing, then you'll be invited to an assessment day, mostly online at the moment, and then you'll be invited to to take a position. So they'll give you a contract, you have, you have a salary, you have holiday pay, you're protected legally, And they also then, so you apply directly to the employer and then the employer enrolls you at the university and you then do the same degree that you'd be doing if you went to the university full time. The difference is you're not having to fight for work experience or internships because you're already working. It's not easy. It is hard work. And you're working through the day, but somehow, particularly if you're good at learning by doing, it all sets your learning in a context. So, you know, a law firm like Misha, um, Mishkondorea, Magic Circle Law Firm, you give your right arm to get a graduate role there. You can go in with, um, I think it's two Bs and a C, 
Whereas to get into a high, you know, a, a good university doing law, three A's, two A stars, A, and then you're then you're applying to Michigan de Rio, sorry, as a graduate. So what what degree apprenticeships allows you to do is to realistically say, right, if I can't compete as a graduate, I can compete better as a school leaver. I'll still put my form into university, but actually that then becomes my plan B, and I'm going to see if I can secure a degree apprenticeship. I'll be working, I'll be getting relevant experience, but I'm also accessing amazing opportunities that I would really want to be doing as a graduate, but I might not be in the best competitive university to be selected. Mm. Mm. That said, Mm. with COVID, lots of students have been learning online and employers are delighted because they're, they're finding they're getting applications from further afield, social mobility is picking up. And students who might normally have self-selected themselves out are saying, no, I'm going to put in an application. So I think the online piece has seen graduates from Yorkshire and Sheffield apply to city firms in London, and they're delighted. Um, Mm. So I think the thing about degree apprenticeships is, me personally, students don't know what they want to do. Yeah. And most students are like, well, I'm just going to do a degree in business, right? I'll just I'll sit it out and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, put, I'll kick that can further down the mm. road. I'm not thinking about it. Here's the thing. If you go and do a degree in business and then you see an amazing degree apprenticeship working in digital marketing for like Coca-Cola, you would not be eligible to apply because you've already got first degree in a related subject. So in order to be eligible for funding... The degree apprenticeship, the degree you're doing, has to be significantly different from what you've studied at university. Mm. So students studying an English degree could apply for a degree apprenticeship in marketing, but students doing anything business-related wouldn't be eligible. Oh, wow. And so the decision you're making has got far-reaching consequences, potentially. Um, But look... It's just, it's just, I want people to understand there's two pathways. There's the academic pathway, the mm-hmm. professional pathway. And increasingly what you see in a sixth form is a student's taking a mix of A-levels and B-techs. Mm-hmm. So student, um, you know, and, and this was one of the arguments I said to my sixth form team. I said, look, you're still heralding university as the only answer. And yet yep. you're offering a mix of A-levels and B-techs. You want students mm-hmm. doing B-techs at school rather than college because, you know it's revenue for you I said it's not ethical and I fell on my sword I said I'm I'm handing my notice and I'm not doing this unless you do what I want (laughs) very mature (laughs) I threw my toys out my pram and I said look let's look at this professional placement program because you know there are there's and and, you know an area that I think is really sorely missing out Hmm. the only company that offers a gap year is IBM oh wow yeah so when you leave sixth form you can do IBM future scheme and you can go and work for a year in business. And then at the end of that time, you can go on and do your degree. And IBM have said everybody that comes to work for them ends up going on to the degree apprenticeship route. Wow. And, you know, you'd think businesses. So right now, these structured work experience opportunities are the way forward mm. because it's like yeah. like you would see at university, you would have an internship. Mm-hmm. That's a try before you buy. If yeah. you look at um, websites like Rate My Apprenticeship, and you look at the top employers or amazing apprenticeships yeah. again has all the employers that will that will tell you the ones that are recruiting for degree mm-hmm. apprentices and higher apprentices they will more often than not 
have a work experience scheme for year 12, 13, because they want you to be applying to them as a, as a potential degree of apprenticeship candidate. Oh. So I think you're going to see a lot more structured work experience, a lot more recruitment. And really what schools need are like university career services, but they haven't got that. Yeah. So yeah, nobody is helping students to understand the value of degree apprenticeships mm-hmm. or indeed how to market themselves on paper and in person. Yeah, and the concern I've been getting from a lot of students, it's very interesting what you've been saying, Susan, you know, mm. like they're applying to UCAS. Some of some people are doing it very half-heartedly, if I can be honest, and some people are doing it mm. with a mind of, oh, but, you know, it's going to be so hard for me to do this. And one of the things that I'm finding with young people, I mean, I've been a careers advisor for more than 10 years. And mm. when I started out in an all-girls school many years ago, I worked in an all-girls school. And what was very interesting is the girls were like, I wouldn't say they were like sponges, but they were more willing to be um, listening, more willing to take on suggestions. And one of my things that I'm noticing, it could just be me, Susan, I don't know, (laughs) is that now young people have this kind of, not all young people, a small percentage of this, have this kind of obnoxiousness, if you don't mind me saying, Mm. where, you know, you go and talk to them about, I already know that, miss. I already know, what you know, why are you telling Mm. me this? And they're not willing to appreciate that sometimes it's good to have a discussion, a very important discussion about these things. Um, <laughs> I, had an, I had an incident very quickly, I'll mention it, um, on. where one person didn't want to see me. They were like, oh, I don't need your help. And the teacher was like, no, he does, because he's got no idea what he wants to do. And it was very um, mm. eye-opening for me, because that's never happened before if I can be honest if it has happened I've been thinking it but they've never said it out well that's it so yeah this is it so I'd like you to seek it same with me um you know this student hadn't done their profile Mm. and they and when they chased them up nope they don't want to speak to you yeah Yeah. so you know that is usually in my experience (laughs) they're terrified they just don't want to think about it Mm -hmm. they're just being ostriches or they, yeah. they, you know, they think they know, but really they just don't want to unpack it because deep down oh, it's yeah, showing yeah, anxiety, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they opened up, but what what I'm finding is that some people are really, you know, like resistant. I mean, what do you think we as careers advisors can be doing um, to kind of combat that a lot? Because just because it's a small percentage doesn't mean that it's not going to continue to happen. That's what I'm worried about yes, a little bit. And- you know, it's it's also kind of fake and plastic. You're sitting in your classroom, suddenly you're called to speak to the careers advisor. It happens in isolation. There's no context around it. You know, why would anybody see the value in it? Unless yeah. they themselves had been thinking, gosh, I really, I, I wonder what I should be doing after school. So it, it's back to this idea of, you know, the Gatsby benchmarks, where really a good careers programme should be filtering in from year seven, hmm. the learning the, the sort of subtle learning, the skill development, you know, what does this, you know, course in English mean? You know, careers directly related to writing and expression and creative expression. And, you know, we, we I was lucky, um, you know, I had a really supportive head teacher and, you know, we would do careers events and we would have, um, so I would do like a careers investigators day where it's like, you are like the detective, you're like the journalist. We got, we get, 34 employers and speak to employers what brings careers to life is external people employers from outside I used to get students back who had done degree apprenticeships and were able to talk 
to parents mm. and sixth formers like you know they'd only been they'd left school a year before and you mm. know this is a project I'm currently working on in Cisco and mm. they were like you know the jaws were dropping and you know it, I think it's you know it, it, it sadly I'm trying to think of an analogy but it, it's not just about that 30 minutes in a room yeah. or 30 minutes online and you know we at university for example we have what's called careers registration. And so mm-hmm. universities have wrestled with the same age-old things as you would in a secondary. You know, what are students learning and what do they know and what do they want to know and how will they engage with us? And, you know, it's like my geography students, I know, I know that they have loved that subject at school. They've loved their students, mm-hmm. the, the teachers. They've picked it because they love it, but they don't know what they're going to do with it. And, yeah. in fact, from our data, my school of geography, it's 55% of those students are still sitting on the fence. Mm. They don't know what they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and I think a big part of that is when you come at people, what do you want to do? It's just too overwhelming. But if you yeah. ask people to, um, you know, just fill out an achievement list, you know, like that sort of um, table thing, well, what have you been up to and what are you proud of mm. and what have you achieved? Oh, and can you see, like, draw an arrow, which of those skills do you think, oh, and then they start to unpack what it is they're actually doing so I think a huge part of it is trying to break down um what careers is and it's not it's it's about um mapping your learning mapping your hopes and dreams and fears like all the kids absolutely adore which Harry Potter character are you it's all based Mm. on Myers-Briggs so I tend to find with my students a little quiz a little sort of you know, if they want to think about themselves, I used to get the teachers to like put on their door what their job used to be before they were a teacher. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, like somebody working senior in transport and planning was had now come back to do teaching geography, and mm. you know, and then they start to look at their teachers as if, oh gosh, you've had a life outside school. Mm. So I I don't know. I think when careers is done well, um, it's an exciting thing and. The ultimate is when the careers advisor calls you for appointment, you're ready and you're pumped and you think, brilliant, this is all about me. (laughs) And if it's anything else, then it's usually more of a message of, okay, I don't know what you're going to ask me. I'm really suspicious. I don't want to think about this because actually deep down I have no self-esteem and I don't think I'm worth anything. That's the thing. It's a good it's a good way of looking at it. One of the things that I would like to really ask you, um, it's been interesting hearing you talk. You've given so much value in this conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> is that do you think, because you know, I'm connected to all sorts of people online, careers advisors, career mm. coaches, business coaches, all sorts of people, but mm. and they come from various different, you know, backgrounds and I speak to many different people. And you know, you're the you're the first careers advisor I'm speaking to on the podcast. Yay! Um, one of the things that I um, feel is do you feel that we are really valued enough Susan because I've been thinking a lot about this because there's a lot of confusion not necessarily about what we do I don't want to get into that I don't know sometimes I feel like maybe the value isn't always there I mean what do you think well it's 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 checks and balances isn't it Hmm. and you know if you look if you know, it's back to that. Is it a should? Right, leave it. Is it a must? Right, let's do it. Such a lot of, of I think people, number one, don't really understand what we do, which is our fault. We need to be explaining that in better yeah. detail. And certainly I am 
quite sort of shocked to be having the same conversations I had 20 years ago about wow. the value of career planning and mm. lecturers saying, well, you know, you know, we are we are covering a lesson on research analysis. I don't want to take up any more time with, you know, there's still that, what? Are you kidding me? You think your students are here to learn about research methods? Yes, but they still want a job at the end of all this. Like they still want to be moving into employment. Um, or you know, thinking about what they can go, where they can go next with this degree. But yeah, it's it's too, you know. It, Michelle Don uh, Michelle Donlin has just oh. said that she wants more reflection and more kind of critical um, thinking about careers in the curriculum and the skills development roles and and the role of education and employment like there's there's always people hint at this symbiotic relationship but it definitely exists mm. and I don't think that we're taking from an English teacher um by helping students to see the value of working hard to pass an exam and what that content yeah. is but I think mm. if we're not valued it's because a we're so busy just doing the job it's falling in and us like a rate of knots you know mm. we don't have time to do the other shouting about what it is we do yeah. Um, we rely on our professional organisation, um, the Career Development Institute, to be lobbying government and to be talking about the value of what yeah. we do. And that's why we put membership money in there. In my yeah. own experience, um, when I meet with an employer, it's a kind of love me or hate me, but you won't ignore me. Like I have yeah. to be quite firm about yeah. what my value is. And, you know, as careers advisors, we want to help. We're kindly, yes. generally, but actually... I think my dad was in sales and, I, you know, I think a lot of the time I'm persuading, okay, this is the value. If you give me this, mm -hmm. this is the outcome mm -hmm. for your destination yeah. stats, for your um, potential new recruits to university. Because really, with the best will in the world, careers guidance is about the bottom dollar as well. Yes. And, yeah. and I think when they start bringing in destination stats for sixth forms, which I, I believe they will, yeah, yeah. then mm -hmm. that is when you'll see a difference and the value because if you're not supporting your young people, so at the moment we look at not employed, in, not in education or employment. Mm -hmm. NEAT, yeah. they're called, aren't they? Yeah. Not education, employment or training. And every school's terrified that their NEAT number is going to be over zero or one. And mm -hmm. then all they do is kind of pockle the figures. Um, everybody games it. And, you know, that's why yeah. they've moved now, interestingly. They used to have the destinations for leavers of higher mm -hmm. education. Mm -hmm. And they've moved it now to graduate outcome survey because that's asking, is your degree meaningful? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it is. So the more we ask, you know, the more we're following up our students and finding the value of what's happened, that's where the conversation is. Well, these students haven't got what they needed from your course. 55% yeah. of your students aren't decided in their final year. That That can't be allowed to stand. And quite often look at them in business. Now, well, that's because they're studying this subject, yes, but equally, they ne they've not had the career sport that you've promised them. So yeah. I think we're always, as careers advisors, if we're doing our job well, we're negotiating more room at the table, a seat at the table, and we've got to be positioning our value with those checks and balances that academics and universities and schools take notice of. Yeah, no, definitely. Very, very, very interesting. Thank you so much, Susan, for sharing that. And lastly, I'd just like to ask you kind of where can people connect, find out more about you, all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, um, I have got a couple of like free webinars. So my website is um, allthingscareers, all one word, .co .uk, 
And there's some free webinars there on life after GCSEs. I've also got a webinar on degree apprenticeships, what they are, how to research, where they're posted, um, where you need to be signing up for further information. I also um, have information on career planning. Again, that just that idea of taking it from, you know, what you know do this to how do you do it like I think we don't speak to students enough about the how so step one step two just things that you should be thinking about Mm -hmm. and further links to where you can access things and start thinking ahead longer term yeah so you know it's it's all about learning and researching and reading and you know if schools haven't got um any sort of careers guidance start profile is free so anybody yeah. can sign up and register for that which is really helpful and mm-hmm. I think that um UCAS even if you're yeah. not going to university I've got some great free information including a week yeah, careers yeah. quiz and mm-hmm. I also recommend informedchoices.ac.uk which helps you to think about A-levels to pick for degrees mm-hmm. um, for degree apprenticeship stuff the amazing apprenticeships has got some great resources as does rate my apprenticeship yeah. Mm-hmm. I use a pr- amazing apprenticeships. It's a it's a very good mm-hmm. website. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much. Super. Oh, it's been um, such a pleasure. And do you know what's really lovely is you know you and I have been chatting for a while, and yeah. it's just so lovely to speak to you. Yeah, no, it's been really really lovely. Thanks, thanks so much. All right, you take care and listen. If you're listening to this podcast, be inspired. You have all the skills employers need. You have those digital skills. The number one thing employers want is learning agility. Well, you Mm. pivoted online troops. You've done that. Tell your story and make sure you draw out those skills. And the other thing I would definitely say is when you're reading degree apprenticeship information, that's a wish list. If you Mm. make five out of 10, do it. You're not looking for the finished product. Employers don't want the finished product. They will work with what you have to give them. Put the application form in. Make sure you're marketing yourself effectively and put the application form in. Don't discount yourself because you don't think you've got the right experience. Let the employer decide that. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. Bye. Right. Thank you. I really appreciate all of you who listen to this podcast, share it, have subscribed already and left me a review. But... I would really, really appreciate if you haven't left a review and you're a loyal listener that you please take the time if you have an Apple Podcasts account to leave me a review. If you're not on Apple, as I know many of you aren't, please share it. Also, if there was a topic or if there was something that you think could really make a difference to someone, tell people about it. The more visibility this podcast has, the more difference it's going to make to people's lives and people's careers. Thanks so much.